Hey, welcome to Fairdale Christian Church Online, and we're so thrilled that you're joining us today for worship. My name is Brandon, and I'm the lead pastor here, and uh, man, it's just a great day around here at Fairdale Christian, and we're, we're so honored that you're joining us. Let me tell you a little bit about what you can expect this morning. We're going to have a time of worship. We'll hear some music uh, led by our praise band, and and uh, hopefully you, you enjoy that, and then there's going to be a time of communion, which we'd love for you to participate in. If you're at home or wherever you are, if you've got some crackers and juice or whatever you'd like to use, uh, we'd love for you to, to remember the sacrifice of Christ along with us. And uh, and then you're going to hear a message that uh, is just going to be looking at some scripture and, and making some applications to our lives and how God wants to work in us and through us. And I hope that it's challenging and uh, encouraging for you as well. You know. This, uh, we, we are so grateful for the opportunity to come direct to you where you are today. Whether you're at home, or maybe you're traveling, or maybe you're home uh, not feeling well, or whatever the case may be. But uh, one thing that we, we say around here often is there's just nothing like being here with, with each other. And it's just so important. Those relationships are so vitally important. So we hope that someday we get the chance soon to meet you. If you're watching uh, for the first time or, or maybe you're just new to us or whether you've been away for a little bit, we would love the opportunity to, to reconnect and hope that uh, we get to do that soon. But I hope that you enjoyed the service this morning. We're going to start in just a few moments and just sit back, relax, enjoy, be encouraged. And uh, thanks for joining us here at Fairfield Christian. so glad that you're here today. Would you stand with us this morning? We're going to start things just a little bit differently. I'm going to, I'm going to pray over us and then we'll start singing. Lord, today we just pray for an outpouring of your Holy Spirit on us, that you would bless this time of singing of praise to you. Lord, you have a desire just to engage with your people. When we call upon your name, you are present with us, no matter what we are going through in our lives, whatever our struggles are, Whatever our hang-ups are, Lord, you are present, especially with those who are hurting. You're close. Your scripture says you're close to the brokenhearted. And today, we just want our, our voices, our songs to be an outpouring of praise to you. Lord, honor that today as we honor your great, mighty, and wonderful name. Amen.
That's the prayer that you need to pray today. Lord, in the crushing, in the pressing, in the hardship, in the struggle of life, Lord, I, I just pray as bad as my situation is that you would somehow use it for me. There comes
comes a point in, in every journey with Jesus where we where we can hit this wall, and and it's an invitation for us to either move deeper into faith with Jesus, or it's or it's a moment that we shrink back away from what He's calling us to do. And and oftentimes, if you're feeling like you're struggling or wrestling with God, and and by the way, that's okay. That's okay. There's a, a beautiful story about that in the Old Testament where, where Jacob wrestles with an angel. He's wrestling with God. And that's a, that's a beautiful thing. But that struggle, that wrestle with God, is often more of a wrestle with ourselves internally. God, why doesn't this make sense to me? Why, why does the Christian journey seem like it's so much easier for this person over here than it is for me? And I would argue that nine times out of ten, it's because God is calling us to something deeper. We're not understanding him correctly. We have this weird preconception of what life and our journey with Jesus is supposed to look like, and it's wrong, and he's ready to take you to a deeper place. So today, I just want to invite all of us, whatever stage of the journey you're on, surrender. Because surrender is that first step. It's that very first thing that we need to do for change to happen in our lives. Let's sing this together.
be seated. As we prepare our hearts for communion today, a couple things for you. Just if you're if you're new with us, if you're visiting, if you're not sure what this time is, that's okay. It's totally fine. We just want to invite you to enjoy a moment of silence as the plates pass by. And uh, for those of you who know Jesus, you know what this time is about. This is a chance for us just to engage our faith, to remember what Jesus did on the cross for our sins, to come to him with, with all of our stuff through the week and confess that to him. And as the plates are, plates are passing, just, just be aware, there is a there are two cups. Grab both the cups. The bread is in one cup and the juice is in the other. And I'm going to pray for us one more time and, and we'll take communion together as a church. Lord, we just are thankful. We're just thankful for all that you've done for us. You made a way where we could not. And we want to remember that each and every single week. Lord, we give our hearts to you. We give our minds over to you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.
are glad that you guys are with us today. Thanks for coming and participating, especially maybe if today you're new with us, maybe it's your first time, someone's invited you or you just found us on your own. We are honored that you're with us today. And let me invite you to look in the pocket in that seat in front of you for one of these belong cards. If you'll take just a few seconds to fill out the information uh, on the card and then at the end of the service, as you guys are heading out in the lobby, you will see a wall that says next steps. And some of our next steps volunteers will be out there and they would love to meet you, introduce themselves and in exchange for your card, they got a little gift for you. But we hope you enjoy today's service. We're glad that you're with us. Hey guys, don't forget Family Fun Day next week. Plan to stay after second service and we are gonna hang out and have some fellowship time together. Hey everybody, it's that time of year again. Flat Brandon is back. Make sure you grab a coloring page out of the lobby, decorate it with the kids, and we cannot wait to see all the places that Brandon gets to visit this summer. Hey, don't forget to get Dad something great for Father's Day this year, which is Sunday, June 18th. And also, don't forget to bring Dad to church because we've got a great day planned and we can't wait to share it with you. So be sure to mark your calendar. June 18th, Father's Day here at Fairdale Christian is going to be an awesome day. Hey, families, be sure to mark your calendars for June 28th. We're going to be having a family night at the ballpark. The tickets include food. It's going to be a great time. You can go to FairdaleChristian.org to register. Make sure that you register by June 11th. Hey, as you well know, tomorrow is a very special national holiday that we just remember and honor the lives of those who have paid the ultimate price for our freedoms. And we just today want to want to be sure to just pause to remember and reflect and we are grateful even for those who serve even today so tomorrow i hope that you have a happy and safe memorial day hey guys i am not with you physically today because i got some exciting news to share there is a small congregation called renewed christian fellowship that meets uh, down the street from us and have met for several years and they are uh, just voted to uh, merge and become part of Fairdale Christian Church. And so today I am preaching for them and kind of helping them think through that transition. And uh, so I, I wanted to share this with you because one of our elders here, Cecil Comstock, has been preaching for this church for the past several weeks. And uh, so this week we thought it would be fun if he came and shared with you guys and I went and shared with them. So we're kind of swapping a little bit today and uh, we are so excited to welcome these uh, brothers and sisters to become a part of Fairdale Christian Church. But right now, I want you to give it up for Cecil Comstock as he brings a word today. great group of people. They will be a great addition uh, for us to minister to as well as the gifts that they will be bringing. And there will be more information that Brandon will be bringing to us about that. I'm also glad to be back here and on this stage because for some of you that were here uh, back maybe a few years ago, um, I was actually on staff here as the student minister and um, I was actually on staff when we hired my good friend John Glowacki who has, uh, has been doing a fantastic job ever since. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, yeah, give it up for John. Um, so, um, the um, little nervous up here, I'm not sure exactly why. Um, 
But anyway, uh, I'm glad to be back here and, and having the opportunity to speak to my family. Um, speaking of my family, um, those of you uh, that are closer to it, um, you would know my wife Amanda, my daughter Tabitha, who's over here. Courtney's at home today, but our two grandchildren. Um, if if uh, Sophia comes up here and tries to take my Bible, just roll with it. She, uh, she has a, hap- a tendency to do that. Um, I want to I start out this morning by um, asking you if you recognize some people. So we're gonna, I'm going to put some people up on the, on the screen, and I want to see if you recognize them or the movie that they're in. So go ahead and put our first one up there. All right, you know who this is. This is kind of a current figure in uh, Marvel Comics. This is Yondu from Galaxy, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy 2. And then this next guy... Um, now, you're going to say Bruce Willis, but, but what, he, what is his name in this role? His name is Harry Stamper, and he's from the movie Armageddon. And then this final one, I think we'll all hopefully, except maybe the younger people, recognize this guy. Um, so you've got Captain Kirk, but on the right is Dr. Spock, and he's in this glass encased, and um, he is about to sacrifice his life for the needs of the many. And um, it's from Star Trek to the Wrath of Khan, which was remade, but never nowhere near as good. So um, what I want to know is what do all of these characters have in common? What is it that in these movies all of these characters have in common? Sacrifice. In all of these movies, one person sacrificed their life for the good or the needs of many and, and we love, this, like our society loves these type of gut-wrenching movies, don't we? Like, how many of you can remember when you watched The Wrath of Khan a hundred years ago? Like, when it happened, you were kind of like torn. You were like, yes, he needs to do it, but oh my gosh, no, no, there's got to be another way. But there wasn't. And so in these movies, we get our heartstrings torn because we don't want to see the good guy go, but we know it has to happen. And we kind of keep sitting there thinking and wishing and hoping there's going to be another way. There's going to be another way. In 2018, Marvel released a movie called Infinity Wars, which included all of the Avengers and if you're a Marvel fan, great. If you're a DC fan, you can leave now. Um, if you don't know what I'm talking about, you can still stay with the Marvel fans. In the Infinity Wars, there's this, um, this superhero named Doctor Strange. And Doctor Strange has this weird ability or this gift, if you will, to be able to see events in the future. And so when they're battling this villain named Thanos, who thinks it's his, his job, his, his gift from God to go around annihilating planets and all the people that are on it, when, when Doctor Strange looks into time to see how they could defeat him, he says in the movie, there are over 14 million ways that they can, they can fight Thanos, but there's only one way to defeat him for good. Now, we don't find out what that is until the second part of that, which is in the movie called The Endgame. And it's how I've, it's how I've titled, if you give a title to a sermon, that's how I've titled this. Um, and by the way, this is a sermon series that I'm beginning that, that is a one-week series. So if you come next week, you're going to miss the end of it, all right? So you want to be here today. So in the movie The Endgame, at, the, at the, this one point of the movie... 
we come to realize that there is only one way to defeat Thanos. And if you haven't seen the ending, spoiler alert, you've had plenty of time. Because it was in 2019, so you've had plenty of time. So cover your ears if you're wanting to watch the movie and see how it ends. But the end game, in the end game, the only way they beat Thanos is sacrificing one guy, Tony Starks, who is Iron Man. And he has to sacrifice himself to save the planet, save everyone in it. And he does. And yes, gut-wrenching tear-jerking. They have a funeral for him. It's crazy sad, but it saved the world. And we love those type of stories. And in this story, it reminds me when I was raising our girls, I used to say all the time, to the extent that they stopped listening to me, when I would say, that reminds me of a Bible story. And the movie, The Endgame, Reminds me of a Bible story. One guy, one sacrifice, one way to win. And that is the story of Jesus. There is one way through one sacrifice of one guy. And that sacrifice, that one guy, his name is Jesus. And for some of you sitting out there, you're like, okay, got it, knew that move on. For some of us, unfortunately, we're still kind of struggling with that. And it's not because I'm pointing at you or persecuting you or judging you or criticizing you. It's just the reality. And so today, I'm going to hopefully try to deal with that issue. That there is this guy named Jesus, and the difference between all of these movies, all of the gut-wrenching, one-guy-sacrifices-for-the-world-type movies, and the story of Jesus is they are fiction and Jesus is truth. And so today we're going to try to deal with that truth. That Jesus, the story of Jesus, the story of his sacrifice for one way to God, one way to eternal life, one way to salvation, is through Jesus. While the world loves this storyline of one person, one sacrifice saving, we know that it's true that the world hates the idea that Christianity would claim there's only one way. It's only one way to, to salvation. There's only one way to God. There's only one person that we get there. The world hates that idea. And while I think that there are lots of reasons, and we could, we could sit here and brainstorm and come up with all these little things, these big things that people struggle with of why they hate this claim. I think most of them, this is just a, a Cecil thing, I believe most of them can be umbrellaed under one reason. We don't like to give up control. Like we just don't. So think about for maybe some things in your life. I'm just going to use one that, that's recent, kind of current to me, like, like yesterday. So yesterday, I, for weeks and weeks and probably months, I've been looking at my daughter Tabitha's yard and these tree stumps that keep tearing up the bottom of my mower. And I, like as a man, I keep wanting to fix it. And, and I look at those stumps and I'm thinking, I can do it. But I realize that after I swung an axe for two hours yesterday... I can't do it. But I didn't want to give up the control of that. I wanted to be able to do it myself. And the world is in that same kind of thinking process. We want control. 
And if we say that there's only one way to heaven, there's only one way to God, if we admit to that, if we surrender to that, we're giving up our control. There is a, a, a lady, her name is uh, Kathy Lynn Grossman, and she's a, a writer for USA Today. And she, uh, she wrote this down about a survey that was taken. She said, most American religious believers, including Christians, say eternal life is not exclusively for those who accept Christ as their Savior. And she took it from this survey um, from Pew Forum and Religion and Public Life, which said in the survey, of the 65% of people who held this open view of heaven's gate, 80% named at least one non-Christian group, which included it could have been a Jew, Muslims, Hindus, atheists, or people who have no religion at all, who may still be saved. That's crazy that Christians would still acknowledge that there is some group of people or some person, some way, someone else other than a person who accepts Jesus can get to heaven. That's, for a Christian like me, that's insane to think. And so what we know then is that inside the church, this false doctrine has, has infiltrated we shouldn't be too surprised, though, because Jesus said there would be those who sneak into the church in sheep's clothing. And they would begin to spread false teaching and false doctrine. And so, again, my prayer has been um, that, that we would take this today, take this topic, take this doctrine, take this, this concept, and, and begin to wrestle with it. As, as John talked about wrestling with God. I want us to wrestle with it this morning to make sure that we're standing in the one place that God wants us to be. Because there's no other truth in Scripture that's greater than the fact that there is one way through one sacrifice of one guy named Jesus to get to heaven. And so, the, uh, I want to talk for a moment about this phrase, the end game. So, when I looked it up this week, um, it, it talks about being in the final stage of the game. And it, it gave a lot of lists of examples like um, we'll call it the end game in chess or an end game in a card game. And so what we, what we know from Scripture is from, from even Jesus' words, we're in the final stage. Whatever that stage is and however long it lasts, for God, a day is like a thousand years. So we're in the final stage, whatever that looks like, and we're in the end game. And so we then, as Christians, need to make sure we're solid on teachings of Jesus. We need to make sure that we can stand firm on the teaching of Jesus. We need to make sure that those who are struggling with this idea and concept at least have the opportunity to hear that truth, that Jesus is the way. And so again, my prayer has been, and I'll just throw it out there again, faith in Christ alone is the only way to salvation, period. Anything else is false teaching. And, and we just go back just to a day um, right before Jesus gives his life in this sacrifice that we're talking about. In John chapter 14, verse 6, Jesus said, I am the way, 
the truth, and the life. And no one, not Hindu, not Jew, not Muslim, not atheist, not someone who has no religion at all, but no one gets to the Father except through me. Now, I got to tell you, Jesus is a pretty important guy to me. Like, I remember my before Jesus and my after Jesus life. And, and, and I remember that I just had this kind of view that was religious. Like, Jesus exists. God exists. We pray before meals. God is great. God is good. Let us thank him for this food. Amen. That was my experience. I didn't know the blessing of knowing Jesus in a relationship. But now, knowing who Jesus is, knowing what Jesus did, and believing through not just Scripture, but even outside of Scripture, um, studies and tests and findings that the Bible is true, that Jesus really lived, that he must have died, that he was crucified, all of those truths being confirmed, then what Jesus says to me is pretty daggone important. And if he tells me that he is the way, then I'm going to take heed of that. One way through one guy, one sacrifice. So why is it so important? I think it's because Jesus said it. Jesus was speaking to his apostles when he made this claim. And he was trying to deal with something they were wrestling with. Jesus was telling them he was about to leave. And they didn't, they didn't understand it. In fact, at the beginning of the chapter, they must have been really stirred because Jesus said, do not let your hearts be troubled. And then he goes into this teaching about him leaving. And so this morning, I am the way, Jesus said. I'm the truth and the life. And in this first statement, he says, I am the way. And then this statement, it's maybe the most straightforward of all he says in this verse. It's the word way in the Greek means a road or a journey. So he says, I am the journey. I am the road that leads to the Father. I'm the way to get there. And if we break that down more, this is one of those neat things that I learned in Bible college. I had this great professor who, is, who filled in as an interim preacher here for a while, Dr. Terry Peer. Um, uh, I think there's Jesus, Paul, and Dr. Peer. It's like it's in that order. Um, and then Brandon. Brandon's right under Dr. Peer. But the, word, the Greek language uses the articles like a, an, and the very importantly to them. So in, they might say, I will see you on the Monday, referring to a very specific day where we would just say, I'll see you Monday. And so when Jesus says, I am the way, he is, he is, in essence, saying there is no other way. I am the way. And in the same way, when he says, I am the truth, the life, he is saying, I'm the only one. I'm the only one who brings this to the table. Now, Jesus often referred to himself in these I am phrases. He would say things like, I am the gate. I am the good shepherd. I am the bread of life. I am the resurrection and the life. In all of these phrases, they use the article the, and it's used to specify that Jesus is the only one, the only way, one way, one sacrifice, one guy. So why does the world hate this? Because we always want to try everything else first. 
Again, we want to be in control, pick the thing that, that we like, the, we, the way that's easiest. We seek to, to indulge in the pleasures of life and still hope that somehow, some way, we can figure out our own way to get to that better place. We seek through all other ways to satisfy our own flesh because we do not like it when someone else tells us no. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 13, Jesus said, Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few will find it. Often people only find the narrow road after learning all the other ways don't work. King Solomon found that out after he said, you know, I'm just going to try everything so that I have a, a better understanding of everything. And in Ecclesiastes, he says, all is meaningless. Everything else is meaningless. Like nothing else matters except knowing God. When people find the narrow road, if they're, if they're able to, because sometimes we get so caught up in our life, in our pleasures, in, in what we're seeking, that we're so distracted even though we might want to find God, we don't really know how to look. But there's another group of people who find that road and they stare at it. And they then have to make another decision. Am I willing to humble myself and say, yeah, God, you were right. <laughs> there's only one road. I tried all the others. They didn't work. You were right. I was wrong. And some people have so much pride, so much ego built up that they're unwilling to say that. We know that the world is looking for answers. Every time there's a tragedy, we see people turning and looking back to God. But we as a society typically choose the best, the easiest road to try to travel that one and still make it to the place where we call a better world. In 2008, on one of her many Oprah and Friends broadcasts, and if you're an Oprah fan... Sorry. She's not going to give you a brand new car. Oprah says, she's quoted saying, there are many paths to what you call God. And someone from the audience shouted, there's only one way and only one way, and that is through Jesus. And she responded, there couldn't possibly be only one way. Now, that's scary in itself. What's scarier is that she professes to be a Christian. So either Jesus is lying or he's crazy or Oprah is absolutely dead straight up wrong and she is wrong. But that has infiltrated our church. We want the easy. We don't want to tell anybody they're wrong. We kind of want bigger churches so we'll kind of broaden what the scripture says. Jesus was right when he said, I am the way. In, in the book of Acts, my favorite book in the Bible, five times Christians are referred to as following the way or um, yeah, following the way. So not simply, though, because they were Christians and it wasn't simply because of their behavior. It was because of who they were following. 
So the world outside knew that Jesus was referred to or referred to himself as the way. And so they were calling Christians followers of the way. The way is not simply behaviors in the Christian church, but it's, it's the person that we're following. It's the person we, are, we call ourselves disciples of. It is the one person that gave one sacrifice to the one way. Now, the next part that Jesus says is a little more complex to me sometimes. He says, I am the truth. And again, the article does says he is the only one that ha- is the truth, that has the truth, so he can be trusted. It's interesting to me for someone to say that about themselves. So think about it for a moment. Have you ever told a white lie? Yeah, I hope all of us would say that, but not Jesus. The Bible tells us that lie is a sin. It calls it flat out a sin. And Jesus never sinned. And that's the only way he could be the only way is because he never sinned. And so when he says, I am the truth, what did he really mean? Was he just telling the apostles, I've never lied? That seems kind of trivial. So we have to look at the whole context of the, the passage to see why was, he, why was he making this proclamation to them? What was so important for him to say? Now remember, they are thinking, you're leaving. You're telling us you're going to your father's house to prepare a place for us, but we don't know how to get there. You're going to come back and get us, but what if, what if we get lost along the way? What if like you move a little too fast? What if we can't keep up with you? Because you know where you're going and we don't. And Jesus said, listen, I'm the way and I'm the truth. You can trust me. I'm coming back to get you. I will take you there. He says in verse 2, there are many rooms in God's house. And I found that interesting today as I, or this week as I was studying again this passage. Because we say, we say there's only one way because Jesus said, I'm the way. And then the world tells us that there are many ways and many truths and many many." Um, Uh, lives that we can be headed to, Jesus understood the word many because he said, in my father's mansion, there are many rooms. So he understood that. And when he says, I am the truth, he understood what it meant to say, I'm the only one. I am the only one. And you can trust me. And you can trust what I'm saying because I am truth. I serve at a local high school And part of what I teach, I go into a teaching of ethics and integrity. And it fascinates me and scares me as well as frustrates me sometimes to think of how our students approach truth. They would give me scenarios saying things like, well, sometimes it's okay to tell a lie. I mean, sometimes it's necessary to tell a lie. And they would say things like, the most popular one is um, it's okay to lie if you're going to get in trouble. What? That's probably the worst time to lie. Fess up and own it. But they will give me all these reasons because they want to live in a world of relative truth versus absolute truth. And I, I kind of blame my kids, but, but they got it somewhere. It's not just them. It's adults as well, that want to be in a relative world. So 
I'm not going to have you raise your hands because I know that would be, you know, kind of embarrassing. Is it okay to lie? Do you have this part of you that's like, well, yeah, I agree with them. Sometimes it's okay to lie. Would you lie to stay out of trouble at work? Especially if you thought you could be fired. I mean, does God want me to tell the truth and, and get fired and then I can't provide for my family? So it must be okay to lie. How about going back and fixing what you did that you need to lie about? That would be a novel idea. But we would say, let's justify our actions being able to lie in certain circumstances. Do you lie about your home life? A lot of Christians do that every Sunday. All the way into the parking lot. Life is not good at home until we open the door and see another Christian in the parking lot. And then the world is fine. You know what I'm talking about. We lie about our home life when it's broken, when we know that there are struggles. And instead of laying that on us before someone that can, can give life to us, someone who can, we can lean on, we would, we would try to keep that hidden. Do you lie about your eating habits? I don't. I'm often on the nutty bar diet. I'm trying. I, I, I got rid of all of them after I finished the last one. The word justify is what we use to make it okay to lie or sin in general. If we can justify it, if we can give an excuse for it, then it must be okay. But that's not what truth is. Relative truth is conditional. It's subjective. It varies and it's contradictory and so it, it's capable of changing any time. In other words, what is true for me may not be true for you. It's like looking at four pieces of lumber laying on the ground and saying, no, 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 that's not four, that's three. But absolute truth is consistent and eternal. It never changes depending on circumstances. It's like saying three plus one is always going to be four. It cannot change. And while we understand when we talk about mathematical equations, three plus one has to be four, but we are okay kind of morphing and changing other truths to be what we want them to be. Now, Jesus says, I'm the truth, that I speak the truth, and man, I'm glad he does. Like, think about that. Well, we, we may not like when he tells us that something we're doing is not God's plan for us. We, we probably don't like that all the time. And, and maybe even when he tells us he wants us to do something, we don't always like what he tells us to do. But man, it is so great to know that when he talks, he is telling the truth. Because for a moment, what if Jesus we're capable of lying. What kind of things then get peeled back? What if, what if all the things that Jesus said begin to, to come undone? All the promises that he makes about heaven, about what heaven's going to be like, about being adopted into the family of God. What if, what if salvation doesn't exist at all? What if heaven is really just hell? But Jesus' version of trying to get us there versus Satan's version of trying to get us there. What if there were no resurrection? 
What if there were no God to wipe every tear from our eyes, as Scripture tells us? What if in heaven there, is, there will be suffering? What if there will be death? What if there will still be sin? If Jesus' words aren't true, then how do we trust anything that the Bible says? But fortunately, the Bible has been tested time and time again. And while there are still those who say there are places that contradictory, what, what usually that means is they heard somebody say that. They haven't investigated it themselves. They haven't done the research. There are just a, a couple people I want to mention that, because to me, when you hear something from someone like this, you, you start to trust a little bit more. So C.S. Lewis was an atheist who investigated the claims of Christianity only to find that they were Enough to be trusted. So he became a Christian. Um, Lee Strobel, the writer of, of many books, but probably the most famous when he became a Christian, is our, um, A Case for Christ. He was an investigative journalist whose wife became a Christian, and he was, he was hell-bent on proving to her she was following a cult. And so he was out to disprove Christianity only because of all of the investigation he did to come out saying, it must be true. And he converted to become a Christian. And then one of my famous, uh, my favorites right now is this guy who is a nationally recognized cold case homicide detective. His name is J. Warner Wallace. He was an atheist. And he also was, a, was out to prove Christianity was false. And so he began doing his own detective work. He was applying his investigative skills to try to prove Christianity was false. That this one-way claim, one sacrifice, this one person named Jesus was a lie. And he not only became a Christian, but went to Bible college and is now a pastor teaching people about Jesus. Let me tell you, Jesus is real, and he is truth, and he has all that is needed for eternal life. And again, some of us are still sitting here going, I know this, Cecil, so I'm, I'm looking around to see who you're talking about. Well, let me just ask you when the last time you proclaimed that to someone you loved. When is the last time you shared with a coworker that Jesus is the truth, that he's the way, and that he's the life? Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. And then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And if the Son sets you free, you are free indeed. I just ask you, have you experienced that freedom? If you have not experienced that freedom, you haven't really wrestled with God about the truth. Aren't you glad Jesus is the truth? Then his final statement is, I am the life. And this statement that Jesus says, he repeats multiple times throughout his ministry. The Bible tells us that when Moses wrote in Genesis that Jesus was there at creation, a part of it. The Apostle John wrote in John 1.1 that Jesus was at the beginning and that he was not only with God, but he is God. Paul writes in Colossians 1.16 that for by him, Jesus, all things were created, 
both in heaven, on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. Listen, Jesus is the giver of life. Jesus was there breathing life into Adam. Jesus was there creating life with vegetation and plants and animals. He was there not just watching but participating in it. He is the creator of all breathing and living things. Not sure why he created flies. It's on my list. But he is the author of life because he is life. He claimed to be the resurrection and the life. So it's not just about life here. It's about life ever after. He said the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come to give life and give it abundantly. And so it's not just in heaven that he is bringing life, but he's bringing it here. It means that when we become Christians, everything's going to be perfect. Mm, that's another false doctrine. Anybody here ever had trouble? Yeah? Look to the person to the next and say, I've had trouble. If you're not sitting next to somebody, move next week. <laughs> In this world, Jesus said, you will have trouble, but take heart. I've overcome the world. Look back to that person and say, Jesus overcame the world. If you're too embarrassed to say that, are you ashamed of telling people outside of the church that? Just, just a thought. You will have trouble. Think about the troubles you've had. You ever been sick? Family member ever been sick? Loved one passed away? Ever lost your job? Ever struggled with your kids? Parents ever struggled with kids? Ever struggled with your parents? Ever struggled with teachers in school? Have you ever struggled with your spouse? Have you ever struggled with your car? Your house? Your yard? Stumps in the backyard? Maybe you've struggled with something deeper, depression, anxiety, drugs, alcohol, tobacco, cussing, pornography. Or maybe you've struggled, you've had trouble with, you ready for this? The church. Ever? Maybe some of you are in trouble right now. But Jesus has overcome the world. One person, one way. One sacrifice. Paul, uh, Peter said it this way in Acts 4. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. One way, one person sacrificing his life for you and me. Following Jesus doesn't mean that this life will be all trouble, but God, God wants to use those troubles he does not take pleasure in our suffering. What he does in our suffering is teach us to depend on him, to trust him, because he is the giver of life. It should give us strength to help someone else who is in trouble, maybe even the same trouble that we've overcome. It's our job to live through this life, drawing closer to God, 
closer to Jesus and then helping draw other people closer as well. Because we're in the end game. It's the final stages at whatever place that may be. And I cannot see into the future. And I don't know how many ways life will be played out. Your life, your life, your life, my life. I don't know how that will play out today, tomorrow, next week. But what I do know is there is only one way to God through one sacrifice by one man, and that man is Jesus. And so for believers this morning, it's been my prayer all week that we could be encouraged, that you are not following some cultish religion in vain. Great will be our reward for placing our faith in Jesus. So let the words of Jesus strengthen your faith. Helping you to stand firm when the devil's schemes come against you. When the world throws its mock and its ridicule and criticisms against you. Remain faithful and you will hear those words, Well done, good and faithful servant. But for anyone in this room that may still be wrestling, as John said, good, wrestle. Don't give up on the wrestle with God. For you, I pray that the Spirit of God has, has touched you today, that, that God's Spirit has nudged you one step further to believing. My hope all week has been that you will place your trust in Jesus Christ as your only source of salvation. The Bible tells us that if you are truly seeking Him, He will allow you to find Him. He will meet you where you are. So, to you, What's your next step? Be curious. I would encourage you today to step out at our next steps. And if you're that person that's like, I don't want to be standing out here. Everybody knows what I'm standing over here for. You just drop them a note. Hey, can you call me later this week? They will. Drop an email to the church. Hey, can you reach out to me? I've got questions. I'm wrestling with God. I'm wrestling with faith. I'm wrestling with the idea that Jesus could be the only way. And I promise you, someone will reach back out to you. We are in the end game. So don't put it off. One way through one sacrifice of one guy. Let me pray for us. Father in heaven, we thank you so much for providing a way, the way. We thank you so much that you loved us enough that you gave us one way, not leaving us out there to have to try to find that way, but turning our focus, setting our eyes on Jesus to find our way to you, to eternal life, so that mankind would not have to perish. But the road's narrow, and there's only one road that leads to you. God, help us to stay on that road or find that road today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you guys for being here today. See you next time. Have a great weekend. Hey, thanks a lot for joining us today. I hope that you were encouraged. And if there's anything that we can do for you, please reach out. You can find a lot of our contact information on our website at fairdalechristian.org. Feel free to reach out to any of our staff. We'd love the chance to connect and hope we get to meet you soon. God bless.